If you would turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the passage here for our lesson this morning. As we think about what it means to, to live for Christ, as we think about the, the passage that was read, just read for us, that there's a difference between those who are in Christ and those who are in the world. And Jesus warned His disciples that you are not of the world. I've called you out of the world. And the world is going to treat you a certain way. It's going to act in a certain way toward you. Being a Christian means that we are going to be different from the world. So what does it mean to live for Christ? That's what, what we are to be doing what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I want to start by reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Jesus died for us. He died for us on the cross. And that, as this passage reminds us, was an act of love. There is no greater love than this, as, as Jesus said in John 15, 13, that one would lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than that. And Paul says here that this love, the love of Christ controls us, that it should motivate us, it should spur us on to this type of of obedience and this life that we live because of what Jesus did for us and him giving his life for us. So it says he died for all that we who live would no longer live for ourselves but for the one who died and rose again on our behalf. That we would live for Christ. Well what does that mean? Because there are a lot of people, we talked about this a little bit in our Bible class this morning, there are a lot of people in the world who believe in Jesus and recognize who he is as the son of God and as the savior and they have an appreciation for him that he went to the cross he died on the cross they they recognize what Paul says here about the love of Christ that he was willing to do that so they believe in him they have appreciation for him and what he did but that belief and that appreciation should affect our behavior. So I want this morning to look at some passages that talk about living for Christ. And the word there in the in the passage that we're going to be focusing on is living, that we will live in a certain way. Because Paul says here that this the love of Christ it controls us or it motivates us to live and conduct ourselves in a certain way. Well what does that mean? How are we going to live for Christ. What is that going to look like? Well, the first passage, over Romans chapter 12, where living for Christ means that we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Romans 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
the passage that we began with at the start of the lesson, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about this idea of sacrifice, that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. So Jesus died for us, and so we are to live for him. And that's what Paul's talking about here in this passage, that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That this is a sacrifice that's made that is ongoing. We no longer live for ourselves. Jesus, as we see in other passages, gave himself for us so that we could be his people. That we would be redeemed from our sins. Paul said over in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, that he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So Paul says there in writing to Titus that Jesus gave himself for us. This is what the love of Christ controls us. He died for us so we are to live for him. And we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to him. Well, Paul says here he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, everything that we have done, every sin that we have committed, that we could be redeemed from those things. He could purchase us back, and we are now a people for his own possession. But as a people for his own possession, he says there in verse 14, at the end of that verse, that we are zealous for good deeds. You think about this idea of a sacrifice, that we present our bodies as a sacrifice, but it doesn't just say sacrifice. It says present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The animals that were offered under the law of Moses in the Old Testament system with the, with the priests, Levitical priests, offering these sacrifices, they would take an animal, and the animal would be presented, the animal would be offered, the animal would be killed and put on the altar and it would be burned and, and that was it. That was the end of that animal. You could not offer it again. There was no ongoing sacrifice. The animal was, the life was gone from it. That's not the type of sacrifice that Paul was talking about there in Romans chapter 12. There may be times and there have been times in throughout history and even in the New Testament where you had Christians who gave their life and lost their life for the cause of Christ. We talked about, in our Bible class, we've talked about Stephen recently. We have James, who was one of the apostles, that he was killed by Herod in Acts chapter 12. And different ones who were killed for their faith, but that can happen. But for all of us, we may face that, we may not. Most Christians don't face that. But Romans 12 and verse 1 Paul says here, we present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. We offer ourselves to Him continually, day after day. We are offering ourselves to Him. So it's not that we're giving our body to be killed, and then that's it. It's that we're giving ourselves to Him every day to do His will and to be, as he said in Titus 2 and verse 14, zealous for good deeds. That we are wanting to do what is right. The passage in Galatians 2 and verse 20 says that Paul explained that he had been crucified with Christ. So you have this idea of a sacrifice. Crucified with Christ, but then what did that mean? He said that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
In the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, which is the passage that we started at. Jesus gave himself for us. He died for us that we would live for him. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's not I who live anymore, but Christ lives in me. As Christians, that's what we have been called to do, to offer ourselves as an ongoing sacrifice. We are crucified with Christ. And going back to that passage that was read for us in Scripture reading, that makes us different from the world. He told Jesus told his disciples there that if you were of the world, the world would love its own, but you are not of the world. I called you out of the world. And so the world hates you for that. So you have Jesus calling his disciples out of the world, but a couple chapters later in John chapter 17, he explains in his as he's offering a prayer to the Father what that means that he's made us different from the world, or we are to be different from the world, that we are not to be conformed to this world as we're offering ourselves as this living sacrifice. But Jesus, in praying to the Father, praying for his disciples, he said in John 17, verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. That's what he said in chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. But then verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus is prayer to protect them and to keep them. He's not saying that I want you to take them out of the world. As disciples, we cannot separate ourselves completely from the world. We can guard against evil influences. We can avoid some of the sinful behaviors and activities and, and things that go on all around us. We can avoid those types of things. But we cannot remove ourselves from the world. We cannot be taken out of the world. And that's not what Jesus' prayer was anyway. That we would be separated in, not just in attitude and practice, but in all our behavior and all the things that we do and even the places that we live. We cannot be separated. We're going to live around people who are in the world. And so Jesus' prayer was, not to, for his disciples to be taken out of the world, but to be kept or protected from the evil one. And we are not of the world even as Jesus is not of the world. We are to be different. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's what it means to live for Christ. The next passage I want to notice is over in Second Peter chapter 2. Where, as we think about how we live for Christ, Peter talked about how we are living stones and what that means. In 2 Peter 2, beginning in verse 4, it says, "...in coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient 
to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So again, living for Christ is going to make us different from the world. And Jesus, as Peter explained in this passage, he was rejected by men in verse 4. And the beginning of that verse says, we are coming to him. We are coming out to him. He was rejected, but we are willing to side with him anyway. That we are willing to face the same rejection that he faced because we want to live for him. And he says that we are living stones that are part of this spiritual house. This spiritual house that he's talking about is the church. Paul explained this more over in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 19, where after writing about the fact that Jews and Gentiles both were reconciled in one body to God, and that body, as chapter 1, the end of that chapter says, is the church. Well, he talks about this more in the end of chapter 2. In verse 19, where he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 2. Jesus is the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together into a dwelling of God, are being built together into a dwelling of God, in the spirit. So we are living stones in this spiritual house which is the church. Jesus is, as it mentions there, the cornerstone. Everything is built upon him and based upon him. Even when it says that you have the foundation of the apostles and prophets in Ephesians 2 and verse 20, Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything from the apostles and prophets is based upon what Jesus said and what Jesus taught and who Jesus is. If they were to teach something that was different from that. Galatians 1 says, well, if someone teaches something different, he is to be accursed. We have to teach things that come from the Lord. We have to teach His Word. We are part of His house, His church. Because as He said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. It belongs to Him. And we are part of that church as Christians, as we're living for Him. So we are living stones as Peter explained in this passage, that we are built together into this church. Notice in that passage that we looked at in Ephesians chapter 2, that he says, this whole building is fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together. So it's fitted together and it's built together. We're all part of this same body, this same church. And we all have a function. We all have a part to play in this. Ephesians 4 and verse 16, Paul went on to say there that from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. So using a different analogy here, Peter talked about we're all stones in this building. Well now Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4 that we're they're part of this body and every joint supplies different things and every part has a function. 
Every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are fitted together. We work together. Every part of the body contributes. That everyone has a role to play. Everyone here is important. There is no member of the church who is unimportant, who well, it doesn't really matter if this, this person's here or not, or or this person doesn't really have much to offer. There is no member of the church that is unimportant. Amen. And Lord willing, we'll, I plan to talk about that more in the lesson next week, about what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, about the different parts of the body. But, but we'll get into that more in that lesson. But we are all part of this body, part of this church. But going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, talks about this idea, or we think about this idea of being built together and fitted together in all part of this, of this body. Peter says here in, in verse 10, after describing the ones who are part of this body as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for God's own possession, he says in verse 10 that you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. They, there was nothing to tie you together. There was nothing that, well, we have this in common or that in common, and so we're just going to come together in in this church. I saw, I think it was just yesterday, someone asked the question, well, why can't you just have, and they were coming from this from a, you know atheistic perspective, and they were looking at, at church and, and the concept of church. Well, they don't believe in God. But they were thinking, well, can't you have the same type of, you know, you know, coming together and helping one another, encouraging one another, doing all that, but just leave the religion out of it? And uh, and someone made the comments that, well, it's you have a hard enough time getting people who believe in God to come together to do this. You take God out of it, you know, what's what's left there to bring people together, and which is really what we're thinking about here. That why do we come together? Why are we here? Why are we part of? of this group or whether it's this local congregation or the church as a whole why are we a part of that it's because of it's not because we have you know shared interests and it's not because you know, we have you know similar backgrounds or things like that we might have some of those things in common but that's not why we come together galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. It doesn't matter what our background is as far as our ethnicity or what, what country we came from or anything like that. It doesn't matter what our economic status is, whether it you know, mentions a slave or free man here. We don't have slavery in this country. We do have people living in poverty and we have people who are rich and we have people in in the middle we call it middle class we have different economic classes of people we have male and female so you are all one in Christ Jesus those differences you might have the world say well we need to separate from another based upon these different characteristics that we have or backgrounds that we have and all of that Paul says here, we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
We are these living stones that are built together in a spiritual house, and through that we offer these sacrifices to God. We serve Him according to His will. So what does it mean to live for Christ? Well, we are part of His church, and we are part of the function of His church, a place where these offerings and these sacrifices and things happen. Not the animal sacrifices under the law of Moses, but as we come together at times like this and we are offering worship to God, we come together for that purpose. We are all part of this. We all have a role to play. And then over in Philippians chapter 3, as we look at that passage, what it means to live for Christ. Paul talked about here the importance of living according to the standard that we have from Him. Philippians 3, verse 14, we'll start reading there. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, or let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. So Paul here in this passage talks about those who are Christians, as we are to press on toward the goal. He says, you keep living by that same standard. We don't want to be those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. We want to live by this same standard. So what we have seen so far, what does it mean to live for Christ? We recognize that He died for us and so that needs to affect what we do and how we behave and how we conduct ourselves. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices for Him. We are willing to give up things in this life. We are willing to to be different from the world. And we are part of his church. We are functioning together, working together with other Christians, doing the work that God has given the church to do. The problem is, for many people, they do those things, but they don't do this last part here. They might, as individuals, they say, well, we're going to make sacrifices for Christ. We're going to do all these things for Him. And Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 7. All these ones who say, well, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and do that in your name and perform all these different works in your name? He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You have in Revelation chapter 3, we think about this collectively as as a church. In Revelation chapter 3, you have the church at Sardis that had a reputation for being a sound church and being a good church. Revelation 3 and verse 1, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, or a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. There are a lot of people like the ones that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, who are active and and living for and doing things that they say are in the name of Christ but are practicing lawlessness. You have churches that are have a reputation for being good and faithful 
but they have a name that they are alive, but they are dead. Their deeds are not completed in the sight of God. So what are we to do then? We don't fail on this point, that we are making sacrifices to Christ, we're giving our life what we think is to Him, and we are part of a church, and we're you know, worshiping together, we're working together, but we need to make sure that in both of those things, we're doing what is lawful, we're doing what is authorized. Paul says here we are to follow or live by that same standard to which we have obtained. And he said in verse 17, observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. There is a pattern that we follow. It's not just that, well, we believe Christ, so we're going to do whatever we think is best to serve Him. Or this church, we get together in order to worship God, so whatever we do, then that must be good because we want to worship God. No, he says, keep living by that same standard and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13 to retain the standard of sound words or hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. There is a pattern. There is a standard that we are to follow. And it's not enough just to say that well whatever we whatever we decide to do because we are sincere and because we believe in God because we do this and anything that we choose to do is is good and acceptable. No, we have to do what we find in the Word of God. Paul said in Colossians 3 and verse 17, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means we do things according to what He has said. Because, again, that passage we cited in Matthew chapter 7, where the people were saying, Well, Lord, look at all these things we've done in your name. Jesus said you were practicing lawlessness. So doing something in the name of Christ does not just mean we claim to be doing it for Him. It means we're doing it according to His law, not practicing lawlessness. We're doing things that He has authorized us to do. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and training in righteousness. Verse 17 says that it is so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. The Word of God, that standard, that pattern that's found in the Scriptures shows us what we need to do. It equips us for every good work. I mean, if we want to know what is good, if we want to know what is right, we need to look to the Word of God. And if we cannot find authority for what we think is good, if we can't find authority there, then we can't claim it as a good work. But Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that there are those who make themselves enemies of the cross of Christ because they live as they please. They, their God is their appetite or their God is their bellies that, that they glory in their shame. The things that they should be ashamed of, they say, well, look at how great this is. They set their minds on earthly things rather than spiritual things, heavenly things, he would say in the next verses, our citizenship is in heaven. We are not to be like those people. We are not to live in a way that makes us enemies of the cross of Christ. These are the ones who fail to do what Paul says here. They're not living by the same standard. They're not walking according to the pattern. 
If we are going to follow Christ, if we're going to live for Christ, we have to recognize who He is. He is the one who is the Lord, the one with authority. And if we recognize He is Lord, that means we are to do what He has instructed us to do. Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse 46, that Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? We have to follow His pattern. If we don't do that, we are putting ourselves on the side of those who are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Back in Matthew chapter 7, about living according to the standard. Jesus talked about this idea of following Him and building our lives according to what He has taught. Because a lot of people build their lives on something else build their lives on their opinions or what society says or, or what their family has always done or, or all sorts of different things. Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Here you have two people described by Jesus here. Both of them active, both of them working, both of them building a house. We're not told about any difference between the two structures that they built. One stood and the other one didn't. They both faced the same difficulties and challenges and the, the floods and the rains and all of that. One stood and one didn't. What was the difference between the two? He said in verse 24, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is the one who built his house on the rock. We have to live according to the standard. That's what he's talking about here. You hear the word, the words of the Lord and you act upon them. It's not that we hear it and we just ignore it or just, well, I just, I'll figure this out on my own or I just, I believe that Jesus, I, I'm glad that he died on the cross for my sins so I could be saved and so now I'm just going to live however I want to live for him. No, we hear his word and we obey his word. The one who hears these words of mine and does them and acts on them, who lives according to the pattern, according to that standard. That's what we need to be following. So Jesus died for us. He died for us on the cross, and he, as we recognize Him doing that, we are now to live for Him. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him that's ongoing day after day. We give our lives to Him. We function as living stones in His church recognizing that each one of us has a role to play, each one of us is important in the function of the church, and we contribute to that. But also we follow the pattern that's been given in His Word. We do His will in all things. In all of this, as we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is to prepare for what He said just a few verses before what we read at the beginning. He t talked about how the love of Christ controls us. He died for all that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Well, a few verses before that, in verse 10, 
He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. <clears throat> Jesus has made salvation available to us. But we are going to stand before him and give an account for what we have done. Have we lived for him who has died and rose again on our behalf? We're going to be judged according to what we have done. Not what we intended to do, but what we have done. And so we need to make sure that what we are doing is what he wants us to do. So that we can be pleasing to him and receive that reward that we are hoping for. So as we close the lesson and extend the invitation, we want to invite anyone who is not yet a Christian to become one. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you recognize that he died on the cross for you so you could have your sins forgiven, you believe all of that, you're willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith, you can be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away, we can, have that, we can make sure that that is done today, if that's what your intention is. And if you've done that and become a Christian, but you haven't lived for Him, again, we've talked about this fact that this is a living, we are a living sacrifice. This is ongoing, day after day. And maybe as we look at ourselves, we realize, well, maybe we haven't done that as we should. We've allowed sin to creep into our lives. We haven't been as faithful as we should be. Then make corrections. Pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness. And if we could encourage you or help you in any way, we'd be happy to do that also. But whatever your need is, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.